0: Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Interesting.
1: So many dead hookers. So many.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing.
1: That's why I don't make gravy anymore. Oh. Except on our special day air quotes. Yeah. I beat the rap, so I kinda have to, you know, celebrate somehow. I get but it, I get it. We got work to do.
0: We do. Hey guys, welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name is Erica, I'll be your host this evening. I'm joined by my
1: husband and co-host Billy. Spooky Halloween. Ooh. Chain rattling noise. I wish I had a chain rattling noise ready to go right now.
0: Maybe I could find one.
1: Okay, rattle chain now.
0: If it's not there... Rattle, 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 rattle. It's not
1: there. You fuck.
0: Wait, I could do it. Okay. Now we've tested Billy. Ooh.
1: It's just keys, guys. Don't get scared.
0: Yeah. Not too spooky.
1: <laughs> What's that called? Fully. Yeah. Yeah. Fully fo- noises. I, fo- I follied.
0: Sure. Fuck yeah, dude. Yep. I'm amazing. You are. Are something (laughs) (laughs) Alright so It's
1: now the month of October
0: And I'm losing my voice Erica's
1: going through puberty She's (coughs) getting hair in funny places and thinking a lot about boys
0: I'm congested No uh, It's now the month of October And we thought we would fill you guys up With some Halloween related Episodes so, this is the first one. Yay! Yeah. Hope you guys like it. There'll be another one. Maybe a third. We're considering it. But, um, I tried to find cases that related to Halloween, and I know some people have asked for the Candyman. He will be covered in the next episode.
1: Oh, or sp- possibly spoiler third. alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. He's a dick.
0: Yeah. He's a real bad guy. But...
1: He's in hell getting whipped by chains.
0: (laughs) Ooh. So, other than him, I really couldn't find a whole lot of cases that involved Halloween. But I thought this would be a good one because it's not only a murder case. It's also a case of potential wrongful conviction. So, tonight... We're going to be talking about the murder of Sister Tadea Benz. On early Halloween morning in 1981, Sister Tadea Benz did not attend morning mass at the St. Francis Convent where she lived.
1: Because Tadea was not her day. Oh my god.
0: Oh. Oh my god. What's
1: up? No. Nothing? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. All right.
0: Maybe the listeners will high-five you. I'm not for that one.
1: You're a hard nut to crack, you know that? Yep.
0: High standards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Around 7 a.m., another sister went to her room to check on her and found her dead on the floor. According to court records, quote, Although there was blood on Sister Benz's face, the nun who discovered her body did not suspect foul play, and the body was transported to a funeral home. An hour or so later, the sisters found a broken window, unlatched and open... Didn't suspect foul play. ...in the community room located on the first floor of the convent and called the Amarillo
1: Police. Sister, do you think this has something to do with Sister Tadea? Nah. Nah.
0: (laughs) The police arrived at approximately 9 a.m. and secured the crime scene. And it goes on to say, by the time the body was recovered from the funeral home... It had been partially cleansed and arterial embalming completed, which is a bad thing when you want to collect
1: evidence. Aren't they flushing evidence out, sort of? They're flushing her blood out. Oh, you know the the sister that found her. I I think she's either an idiot or a hardcore nun who had a really hard upbringing and was like, "Guys, you know how many times I found somebody body dead on the <laughs> ground with blood on their face? This is this ain't shit. Trust me." After the day, I'm taking a vow of silence. Praise the Lord.
0: Well, I don't understand how she didn't know that there was foul play. Because 76-year-old Tadea Benz was found to have been raped, beaten, strangled, and stabbed.
1: All those to me say foul play.
0: You see a naked nun laying on the floor with stab wounds and you're like, oh, it must have been natural. She was naked? Pretty much. since she had already been partially washed potential evidence of course was swept away but the me reportedly found quote numerous mature human spermatozoa and prostatic acid phosphatase
1: mature does that mean
0: like they were ready to, to ready to fertilize they were good to go
1: wait you have sperm that are ready to go and some that are just like out the gate.
0: I'm assuming it's like the difference between pre ejaculate and
1: ejaculate. Oh. Did you know I learned that there are sperm that protect the egg? Protect it? Yeah, their only job is to form a barrier and they allow certain sperm to pass through. So
0: they're the less thans protecting the better thans? I
1: guess for the greater good or something? When you were pregnant with Phaser, and I was reading one of those pamphlets about like this is what happens when you're pregnant, and I'm like, I know, I was there. <sighs> Remember with my with my penis? Yep. Okay. So In my hoo ha. I was reading that and it, was, and it showed like a picture of it, not like a drawing, but like a up close a photograph. Nine, yeah, and there were just like they held their ranks, and it said like you know if there's any of them with a genetic disorder or something that 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 is coming toward them they will rush out and like uh, I want to say smother it I guess like uh, like mm-hmm. three or four different sperm will come out and be like that one get them and then but every once in a while they lynch the sperm pretty much but then like every once in a while one will get through but you know and that's how today you have birth defects and everything it's because that one was fucking determined or sneaky but yeah or they were too busy with the other guy yeah isn't that crazy they form like a wall and they're like mm. alright men like stand here they're yeah, pawns. They're pawns.
0: Interesting.
2: Are
0: Not those? really related to the topic, but.
1: It's a thing.
0: It's a thing. I vomit information. You do. You do. Fingerprints, blood, and dark curly hairs were found in the sister's room, as well as a white shirt the killer had left crumpled near the victim. Police were fairly sure the killer had gained entry through the slashed screen and broken window
1: that was found. Way to go. God, you guys are really on top of it.
0: Then made his way up the stairs, down the hall, past several other nuns' rooms, and into Sister Tadea's.
1: Oh, God, the one that was wearing black. The one one? at
0: the end of the hall. Why go to that one? I
1: don't
0: know. Yeah. They also believe that he exited through a back door, not back through the window as there was a smear of blood near the door. Police immediately presumed that this murder was linked to Narnie Box Bryson, a 77-year-old that had been murdered July 9th, named Narnie.
1: Who just so happened to be Uh, a nun and died with blood on her face, and the person that found her was like, no big whoop.
0: Narnie had lived just a few blocks from the St. Francis convent, and there were striking similarities between the two cases both were elderly women who were attacked in early morning hours both had been beaten raped strangled and stabbed in the same manner the perpetrator in both cases was thought to have entered through cut screens there were black curly afro type hairs found on or near both of their bodies
1: quote unquote afro
0: that's what the source said quote unquote
1: afro just, just putting that out there
0: And in both cases, the killer left a white shirt crumpled at the scenes, which seems to me to be a pretty specific calling card.
1: You get warm, I guess, when you do that. You gotta wipe yourself off or something.
0: A five-agency task force was created to investigate the Bryson and Ben's murders because of the presumption that the same attacker was responsible in both cases. The citizens were described as being in, quote, lynch mob mode at this time by Jeff Blackburn, a previous director of the Innocence Project at Texas Tech University Law School.
1: Jeff Blackburn sounds like the name of a sheriff. <laughs> the no gruff sheriff who's so badass he doesn't even carry a gun. hmm You know what I mean? Who always lets kids go. Like, they get caught shot losing. He's like, listen, here, I don't want to see you around here again. If I come back out here, I'm going to tell your mama. Now get. Now get. Get on
0: alright <laughs> <Get>. G-I-T.
1: <laughs> and then they turn around and look at him. He's like, ah. And they go, oh shit.
0: Rewards increased daily for tips leading to the killer's identity. And tensions were extremely high in Amarillo at the time. Crime and violence had increased when Cubans began flocking to the U.S. in 1980 when Fidel Castro lifted his ban on defectors. Amarillo had accepted the Cuban defectors, unaware of whether there were any criminals, and gave them a chance. Witnesses reported having seen a dark-skinned man, possibly Cuban, in the vicinity near the times of each murder. On the night of Sister Benz's murder, specifically, at approximately midnight, patrolling security guards spotted a dark-skinned man hiding behind a tree at the convent. He did fit the other witnesses' descriptions as a Cuban male.
1: And they asked him about it and he was like, this country is a pussy just waiting to get fucked. No. Scarface. Because he's Cuban. Yeah. Scarface. That
0: that didn't happen though. He ran off.
1: He's like, what happened with that scar? He's like, I got it from eating pussy. That's where Scarface. I can't say it like him clearly. I sound (laughs) like a nerdy wife. I got it from eating pussy,
0: chief. (laughs) Now this guy ran off before the security officers could detain him. So they didn't catch
1: Scarface. This whole town's a pussy waiting to get fucked. I believe is actually the quote. Now I feel stupid. Erica, go.
0: <laughs> the same night at approximately two thirty a.m., the phone in the convent rang.
1: <laughs> he ran off. <laughs> As he was running like the town a pussy waiting to get fucked. <laughs> he just ran off. <laughs> You're awful. Uh, what do you make of that, Blackburn? Uh, let him go.
0: A sister answered the phone call, and a man with a thick Spanish accent said that he needed to speak with the priest about his, quote, sexual desires.
1: Page two. Shades on.
0: Now, in this time period, two Cuban men, Fernando Felipez Flores and Laurencio Perez Rueda, were caught peeping in windows of elderly women in the area.
1: I'm sure the town's probably boring.
0: Why do you assume that?
1: Where is this? Amarillo. you been there? Have you? No, I'm curious if you've been there or not.
0: And if you're bored, that's okay that you go peeping at elderly women's windows? I don't
1: know what the judge of the person does in a Cause Friday Because there's night. nothing else to do? <laughs> I don't know. How much fun could you really get from that? Oh, man, she mm. was totally... Ah, oh, dude, she totally had her back turned. What? <laughs> she didn't see us. Oh, man, crazy. I don't know. I don't see... I've
0: seen enough elderly women to last a lifetime... It's I, not that impressive
1: I am um, I don't see the whole I mean everybody's got their thing You know But I don't see the whole thing With peeping Toms It's really It's no Like okay What are you gonna do well, Clearly you're gonna cut Their fucking window open And come in Whatever But I mean just your Just your <laughs> Standard run of the mill average Peeping Tom You're not gonna get anything From her Or him if Ah you're, you saggy know. tit Great pubes No I mean just a regular Peeping Tom Not even looking at older women Just looking at women What are you gonna get from it like, if they see you, they're going to freak out. I guess it's They're going to be like, grossed out. Like, um... Is it some type of voyeur thing? And you're not like you doing it and not getting caught? Like softcore
0: porn in real life.
1: But as we've learned in the 80s, Marty McFly would never have been born if his father wasn't a peeping Tom in the window. Or in the tree. He would have never been born.
0: Thank you, peeping Toms. Thank you.
1: Man. You're doing good things out there.
0: Marty McFly. Fictional character in a movie.
1: Why are you supporting him but you gave me shit when I felt bad about Freddy Krueger? That was sarcasm. Never mind. You're a real (laughs) dick. I got upset. I was like, Fish, why are you even fucking, you have no right. Okay, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Peeping Toms. Yeah. Like, I'd really say that, Billy?
1: You guys would be surprised what she says when this fucking mic is turned off.
0: I don't say shit
1: I have to tell her all the time Erica calm down
0: Yeah when I'm not saying anything Yeah <laughs> I'm a quiet type So both of these men were charged with trespassing Why they weren't charged with voyeurism or something I don't know What would you be charged with if you were a P.B. Tom? I think it's voyeurism
1: That's not a crime
0: I think it is What? I believe so
1: I'm looking at it right now.
0: Okay do that
1: I'm getting flagged. Billy, fucking go. Stir.
0: They were both charged with trespassing, but the task force and district attorney thought Flores may have been responsible for the murders when fibers were found on his clothing that appeared to have been from Sister Benz's blue nightgown. Samples of his hair, fingerprints, and the fibers were sent to the FBI to be tested, but they didn't match. So Flores was cleared by the FBI in November. But soon every male Cuban immigrant that had come to Amarillo began being rounded up and forced to verify their whereabouts on the nights of both murders and to give hair and blood samples as well as fingerprints.
1: It is a crime.
0: (laughs) That's how certain they were that a Cuban committed this crime as they started just taking every Cuban immigrant they could find that was male and saying, what the fuck were you doing that night? And yes, voyeurism is a crime. What's it say?
1: The criminal voyeurism statute of statute in some cases cover a place where one would have reasonable expectation of privacy, meaning a place where a reasonable person would believe that he or she could disrobe in privacy without being concerned that his or her undressing would be photographed or filmed by another. A place where one may reasonably expect to be safe from casual hostile intrusion or surveillance. It seems more like this is a crime if you record somebody getting undressed. But, I mean...
0: But, I by that standard... <clears throat> yeah. If the man hanging okay. his curtains in the Ukraine had been naked, little orphan Annie could have been charged with voyeurism. At that point, I don't think
1: he would have cared.
0: Yeah, there were bigger fish to fry.
1: Yeah. Except for him traveling abroad, which I don't think he did do anything wrong when he was abroad. He would have said it. I think you're abroad. <laughs> He would have said it. He would have said it. Have you killed that many people?
0: Okay, that's where we agree to disagree. I I seriously think he managed some major crimes while over wherever he went and didn't want to be extradited. It'd be like if
1: I was an arsonist and I burnt down a whole fucking neighborhood and I'm on trial for it. And they're like, we're going to pin this all on you plus the Walmart that burned down. I'd be like, I didn't do that. I did that, but I didn't do that. They'd be like, you know what? You probably didn't.
0: But he knew he could be extradited, and if they had the death penalty, they could have sentenced him to death.
1: Well, that would right.
0: be a reason for not admitting to it. That would
1: be the only reason. Let's get back. Let's get Erica go. Um, Erica, go.
0: Go. <clears throat> police soon received a tip from a psychic that had helped them in the past named Inez Bubbles Patterson.
1: If your nickname is Bubbles, you're not. A, why are you calling the police?
0: Not only was she known to the police for her psychic abilities, but also through her husband, Michael Eugene Heavy Duty Patterson. Where are all these fucking nicknames coming from? Bubbles and Heavy
1: Duty. And Snuggle Bunny Jones.
0: (laughs) Heavy Duty had been caught trying to traffic narcotics in a Cessna airplane. He received probation and turned informant for the police. So they were quite familiar with these two. But Bubbles told the authorities that she had had a dream shortly after Sister Benz's murder, in which she saw a young man, five foot eleven, with a small frame but muscular build. She said he had a face like Abraham Lincoln and large ears.
1: That's a goofy-looking motherfucker.
0: She even gave an address, four thousand Northeast Eighteenth, and mentioned the name Mister Clyde.
1: Hmm. You know, I always feel bad. I always feel bad for the cop that had to answer that phone. <laughs> Sergeant Bubbles, line one. Fuck! You didn't tell her I was at fucking lunch. Did you see me like doing this, fuck waving shit my hands? Now? I can't believe this fucking shit, man. I should have fucking left when everybody left to go to fucking Applebee. Hey, Bubbles. Hi. <laughs> what are you doing, hon? What's up, girl? I was just about to call you, ask you if you had a dream. Man, this is crazy. <laughs> I guess I'm a psychic. We're psychic twins. Woo!
0: <laughs> well, the address that she gave led the police to a new suspect. Johnny Frank Garrett, the true center of our story here. He was a 17-year-old with an IQ less than 70, making him legally retarded. He looked like the description Bubbles had given, lived at the address she gave, which was right across the street from the convent where Sister Benz was murdered, and had a dog named Mr. Clyde, which happened to be written boldly across his doghouse in full view of the public. So anyone who had seen or heard of this boy and his house right across from the convent where the murder scene was, you know, and there's a lot of media, could have said, oh, wait, I had a dream about this kid who looks like this, and here's the address, and Mr. Clyde. Anybody could have done that. Yeah,
1: but you know for a second that officer was like, damn. <laughs> she's got the sight. She, I, she can shine. She's got the shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hung up on something here. What? Maybe it's just because we live in too much of a sensitive fucking world. Is retarded bad? Can uh, you say that?
0: I I know at the time it was still considered a legal term. I'm not positive if it is now. But at the time he was considered retarded, slow, whatever you would like to call it. And, and if it, I offend anyone, I'm sorry, but the sources that I got my information from used that term.
1: Okay. But at the same time, I don't see how that could be a bad term. Like, it's used as slang against people as an insult, but mm-hmm. retard means slow, down, slow to yeah. slow. Like like a diesel in winter, you have to retard the engine mm-hmm. to get it heated up before you use it. It even has the knob. It says pull to retard, which when I first saw when I was in the Army, I giggled. But then <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, okay, I got it. You have to slow the engine down to get it to warm up. So, Okay. Just, you
0: know. Yep. Johnny was born on December 24th of 1963. Teachers claimed that he was slow and reportedly couldn't read or write by the end of sixth grade. He had been repeatedly beaten, raped, and burned by two different stepfathers. Because his mom really knows how to choose him.
1: Damn. And She's batting a thousand on bad husbands.
0: And prostituted to numerous men by the abusers.
1: Good gravy.
0: I'm going to play a little clip here um, from the bishop from St. Francis' convent, uh, Leroy Mathiason, at this time, as he knew about the abuse.
2: I was aware of them because the family lived right across the street from where I lived on the second floor of our Catholic Diocesan Pastoral Center. Apparently, there were several stepfathers in this, uh, at least two that I know about these uh, stepfathers had burned him with cigarette, lighted cigarettes, uh, all over his body. He often slept under the football stands at Pasco Stadium, which was the uh, football field adjacent to the high school, because he was afraid to go home, because he didn't want to be further abused. It's, it's hard for me to believe that he would have done anything violent, uh, especially Killing and raping one of the elderly nuns.
0: At the age of 14, Johnny started becoming defiant at school and got suspensions for fighting. He turned to alcohol and drugs at times and had been arrested for vandalism at one point, so police had his fingerprints on record. Despite all this... I
1: don't blame him for turning to drugs and alcohol. You gotta have... He's had a hard...
0: Well, and despite all this, people still thought he was a good kid. Here's one of his neighbors talking about him.
2: Sue Jasper lived across the street from Johnny Frank Garrett and his family. I knew him for too many years, and he was a sweet, kind, loving child. He never did anything to hurt anybody, he was always nice and polite. He played with my children. Uh, He grew up with my children, and there is no way that Johnny could have done that. No way. And I will never believe it. I believe that Johnny was framed. No elderly person in the neighborhood feared Johnny Frank Garrett. No one. And even after he was accused of this, no one feared him because they all believed that he did not do it.
0: On the night of Sister Benz's murder, a patrolman spotted Johnny shortly before midnight in his front yard, hitting a bush with a stick. I've been... Because, you know...
1: I've been known to do such things.
0: Why not? This tells you a 17-year-old standing outside hitting a bush with a stick like a 6-year-old would do.
1: But when I did it, I was like 6. So
0: Yeah, that's the mentality we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, there's still a family joke about me kicking a tree.
0: About you kicking a tree?
1: Yeah, I was when I was a little boy, I was obsessed with karate. And my cousin was like, hey, I'm going to go and play, uh, like, what was it at the time? But Nintendo? He, no, no. He had No, he was a Sega Genesis kid. Um, but it wasn't even, yeah. I think it was like maybe Sonic or Shinobi or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay here and practice my karate. Little did I know, my grandparents lived across the street. And my grandparents and my mom and my aunt and my uncle saw me punch and kick a tree. Repeatedly. Like it was a fucking wing chung dummy. But it wasn't. It was just a maple. And uh, yeah, they didn't let that down for a long time.
0: You beat up a defenseless tree.
1: Yeah. What do you think about that, vegans?
0: Shame, shame. Yeah. So yeah, he was hitting a bush with a stick. And police ran his fingerprints after they got this information from Bubbles. And of course... They were matched to two prints found in the sister's bedroom, so he had to be the guy. One was allegedly found on the back of sister's headboard, and the other was on a bent butter knife found on the floor underneath her bed. This is some audio of Jeff Blackburn, who was the director of the Innocence Project, um, again talking about Garrett being an easy target.
3: Garrett turned out to be a lot more convenient. And a lot easier to make a case on. Uh, After all, I mean, this was a guy who had little to say for himself. In the 17 years he'd been on the planet before this crime happened, he hadn't done very well. He was easy pickings. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the Bryson theory, or the the same murderer theory, all of a sudden just vanished. Disappeared once they decided to make a case on uh, Johnny Frank Garrett.
0: And I do want to add that this audio, it's coming from a documentary... Um, that I found on YouTube called "The Last Word." There are a couple different ones, and most of them cut out the audio at like 50 some minutes. So if you're gonna watch it, go to the one that's like two and some hours, and it plays, and then it plays again, and the second time it has the full audio. I don't know why, but very interesting documentary. On November 9th of 1981, so nine or ten days after the murder. Police took Johnny in for questioning, pushing him to confess. Authorities reportedly got an oral confession out of Johnny after just one hour of questioning, but when they typed up the written confession, he refused to sign it. It read, My name is Johnny Frank Garrett. I am 17 years old and I live at 4000 Northeast 18th in Amarillo with my mother. On October 31st, 1981, at approximately 1.30 a.m., I was drunk on whiskey and had taken two hits of acid. I had heard that some of the nuns kept nice stereos where they lived. I went over to the convent and knocked a window out on the bottom floor. I went upstairs and went into this one room. There was a nun in bed and she acted like she was going to scream. I covered her mouth so she couldn't make any noise. I started choking her until she passed out. Then I had sex with her. I left the convent the same way I came in." And I just have to say there's so many problems with that supposed confession. Like the fact that between when they saw him at midnight and 1.30 he supposedly got drunk on whiskey and popped some acid. And the fact that nuns keep nice stereos. They're fucking nuns. They give up everything to serve Christ. Why would they have nice stereos?
1: I don't know. Isn't that part of the deal, is you're supposed to live a life of poverty?
0: Yes. So, that doesn't even make any sense. And of course, the fact that he said he left the same way he came in, but yet police had evidence from the blood smear by the back door that he left out the door.
1: Okay, just for you guys, I'm going to look up what is the number one hit in 1981. I want to know what the sisters are listening to.
0: So according to this confession, Johnny, who had just been spotted in his yard hitting a bush not long before, managed to climb through a broken window while drunk and high, creep quietly down the hall to Sister's room, beat, strangle, and rape, no mention of the stabbing or of the knife, which was later proven to not have been the murder weapon, you know, the one, the butter knife under the bed that had his fingerprint, and then drunk and high, creep back down the hallway and leave back out the broken window. All of this while drunk on whiskey and high on acid and not waking up anyone else in the convent. Not to mention that the blood smear indicated the killer left out a door, not the broken window, also evidenced by no broken glass shards found outside of the window on the ground, which means the window was broken inward. And the cherry on top? His Miranda rights were recorded on audio tapes, but somehow the oral confession wasn't recorded. So, I guess the number one hit in 1981 was Betty Davis' eyes. So, that's what the nuns were jamming to.
1: You gotta have a good stereo to listen to that.
0: Is that October of
1: 1981? Oh,
0: fuck. Hold on. <sighs> Way to go, Billy.
1: Just play You ruined the
0: episode. Great.
1: You're frightening the cat. <laughs> and me.
0: <laughs> Attorney Bill Coleus arrived at the station shortly after the alleged confession and oddly offered his services despite Johnny and his family denying that they ever contacted him for help and the fact that he had never even tried a murder case. So where exactly did he come from? He basically said Johnny's case was a lost cause. At his first arraignment two days later, Johnny stuck to his innocence and said that the quote confession was a lie made up by the officers that questioned him. He said he'd been in the convent dozens of times and expected his fingerprints to be found.
2: The sisters told me later that uh, Johnny, they knew him quite well. Uh, he would come there and uh, visit them. And uh, they told me he, he admired the pictures and the paintings, the icons, the statues of the saints and would often pick them up. and. Uh, there's no question. I never thought about this at the time, but obviously he left fingerprints all over the place. He helped the sisters to move furniture out of the convent building uh, onto the moving truck, and uh, in that process, he he was uh, went into the rooms where the sisters lived, who were forming this new community, and uh, helped picked up pieces of furniture and and moved
0: it on Johnny's family provided his alibi stating that he was at home all night Mr. Coleus requested to be appointed to the case on Johnny's behalf and Johnny wasn't aware that he had the right to a different attorney and stood silently as Coleus was appointed did you find anything for October?
1: I don't know what that is What, what is Ar- Arthur's theme by Christopher the best Cross. that you can do in the convent it out
0: yep those nuns were shaking it.
1: If it's too loud, you're too old.
0: Ooh. In the nunnery. Yep. Fucking get it, Sister Gertrude! Right.
1: I bet they said that.
0: Yep. I bet they did too. Now, it's important to include some history involving the justice system in Amarillo at the time. Just months before the new chief of police had been hired, the Amarillo Department suffered severe criticism for a string of botched capital murder investigations. That led to, quote, acquittals, costly appeals, and new trials, end quote. There was competition between police departments to solve cases first, and the departments weren't sharing information with other agencies. The newly appointed district attorney, Danny Hill, was left with 10 felony murder cases from the previous administration when he took the position. His approval soared as he promised to rid Amarillo of the violence and crime by seeking the death penalty on
1: homicides.
0: He also relied on strong Christian ties in the area for support. His Do first strong
1: Christians support that? Would they? I mean, I guess, because <clears throat> a lot of them say, well, you know, you can't play Probably I, Old then,
0: Testament people,
1: eye for an eye, eye. for an eye, yeah. I support it. I'm not supporting, you know, execution of people with Down syndrome or people that are low IQ who don't know, even know what they did. But capital punishment, yeah, I've always, I've always been for that. Yeah. You kill, you kill somebody, we'll kill you back. Kill you back better. Mmm. <laughs> His first
0: order of business was to convince the county commissioners to hire a full-time medical examiner to do autopsies and testify for the state in homicide cases. So basically, they're a little ace in the hole. He handpicked the Emmy in October of 1981, and he chose Dr. Ralph Erdman.
1: That's medical examiner, not the award. Thanks. Well, you
0: know. Dr. Erdman was a German-born graduate of Mexico City whose first case happened to be Sister Ben's case. The semen and blood samples were turned over to Dr. Erdman, and DNA couldn't yet be tested, but the semen could be tested for blood type. But strangely, before any testing could be done, the semen sample just disappeared. He just couldn't find it.
1: I can see him look at the detective like, "All right, we need the semen sample." And you can see him pat down his own pockets. <coughs> like, I don't. um...
0: Did I give it to it's, you? It's uh,
1: ah. Fuck me, you know.
0: <sighs> I bet I threw it in the trash with my lunch. It was in my hand, and I was holding my salad, and it just all went in the trash. She
1: made me a turkey salad sandwich, and she knows I hate them. And I threw it in. I pitched it with rage. And I think it hit the shirt and it fell in with the shirt.
0: Well, let's just get it out of the trash. No, 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 no. They've it's, already picked it up.
1: It. Okay, one, it's already been taken back, so this conversation is moot. Two, if I have to touch that fucking turkey salad sandwich again, I'm going to murder somebody. And three, it's probably contaminated. Doctor, didn't you know that? Doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so there went that. A second attorney.
1: <laughs> you got the you got the semen sample. Like I, don't, I mean, you got some nudie magazines. I can hook you up. Oh, for this? Oh no, 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 no. That's gone. <laughs> I don't have that. Let, let me just go ahead and whip out this semen. Who walks around with semen samples, Mister Emmy Doctor? Not the award. I don't. Clearly, stupid. You went to college.
0: <laughs> A second attorney, Phil Jordan, was added to Johnny's defense by the court. And he, just like Coleus, had never tried a murder case. Hmm. He had two really excellent, not experienced lawyers in his corner. Well, you gotta get in there somehow.
1: I mean, it, I can't really, at the end of the day, I can't really knock them if this is their first one. They're gonna have their first one at some point.
0: No, they were appointed to be his defense attorneys, which no, is a little suspicious. Never
1: mind. But you can't knock somebody like, this is my first case, like... It's not his fault it's his first case.
0: Well, this new lawyer, Phil, happened to have worked for his BFF, Danny Hill, the DA.
1: They had a secret high five.
0: As a prosecutor, up until just a few months before joining the Garrett case.
1: They learned it from Happy Days.
0: I would think that's a conflict of interest, but who am I?
1: Takes like three minutes to do that high five.
0: (laughs) Despite having two attorneys, Johnny and his family claimed that the attorneys rarely spoke to Johnny or visited the jail, and they wouldn't return his mother's calls. Ineffective assistance of counsel?
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Per the FBI, the only evidence that could tie Johnny to the crime were the two fingerprints that were found, which of course could be explained away by the Bishop, pointing out that he had helped them move furniture
1: yeah, in and out of the convent. seems pretty but... thin that they didn't test anything else or they didn't have the means to test anything else. But the only thing that connects him is he's alive in the city. He touched some stuff. He lives nearby. Yeah. What if it was bubbles <laughs> this whole time?
0: There was no blood because it wasn't tested. No fibers or hairs that matched those at the scene and his shoes didn't match footprints that were found outside the broken window. The prints on the butter knife should have been discounted because it was determined that the butter knife was not the murder weapon.
1: You'd have to have a lot of rage to kill somebody with a butter knife. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have and a lot of And it's not what killed
0: her. But they're saying, well, his
1: fingerprints are on it, so... Dude, if I ever went to prison for murder, I want to go to prison for murder for that. Because, here's why. Because when I, when I meet my fucking cellmate, they like, what are you in for? murder. What'd you do? I killed 17 people with one butter knife. You know he's going to scoot away from you when he's on his cot. He's going to scoot away and they're going to be like, don't fuck with country spread.
0: (laughs) I'm sure she didn't have butter knife shaped bruises on her body that they could find where he tried that first. That's
1: something Billy Snuggle Bunny Jones would do. Butter knife? A butter knife. Why? Because it's a fucking butter knife and you never expect it. What are you in for? I chewed a man's chest open and ate his heart. Oh God. (laughs) I gotta go. I gotta go pray.
0: Well there were also fingerprints found in Sister Benz's room that could not be identified but they weren't Johnny's. No mention of that whatsoever. For some unknown reason, no one investigated Garrett's claim of having been in the convent on numerous occasions. Garrett said he had helped move furniture into the convent prior to the murder and had been in all of the rooms. If they had questioned the bishop or the nuns, they would have found this out. So let's hear the bishop talk about that.
2: The defense attorneys should have called me. (laughs) After all, I was very closely involved in all of this. I was the bishop. I've been a chaplain several times for the sisters. I knew them well. And I knew Johnny Frank Erd, but it didn't happen. And as far as I know, none of the sisters was asked to testify.
1: That would mean, really, anybody's a suspect. Okay, so that would mean the bishop's a fucking suspect. His fingerprints are there.
0: Mm-hmm. They had fingerprints that they couldn't identify at all. But they weren't Johnny's.
1: I'm starting to feel bad for Johnny.
0: Yeah. Prosecutor strategies and information were leaked to the media, who, of course, vilified Johnny. The defense requested a change of venue, as the general legal view in the area being that if there was ever a case to move venues, this was it. But Judge Dolan denied the request. Jury selection took 31 days. When the selection started, the defense made multiple errors. They failed to object to a juror who admitted his closest friends worked in law enforcement. Then a business associate of the M.E., Dr. Erdman, was allowed on the jury. Then Nathan Shackelford was allowed on jury as juror number 12. He happened to be the nephew of Judge Jerry Shackelford, the state's first listed punishment witness, meaning if Johnny was found guilty, he would be the first to testify that Johnny had behavior issues and was, quote, violent.
3: It's especially true in West Texas, or at least it's more apparent in West Texas, but it's equally true wherever you go that people, as a rule, the average voter, the average taxpayer, and the average uh, juror are going to be pretty stupid. Now, what's happened is that the mob, those average, not very bright people, have now become the leaders. when you have judges and prosecutors pandering to them and uh, adopting the lowest common denominator as the only mathematical variable in these cases, then this is what you get. You get a lynch mob mentality and the judges and the DAs are at the head of the mob rather than at the head of the mob with a shotgun saying, you're not going to do that. That's the way it's supposed to be.
1: There's a lot of conflict of interest
3: type yeah. of thing
1: they need to get the guys that are of his age or around his age within a certain time frame and get the guy without
0: that, some connection to the yeah, fucking get case get the guy that works at fucking
1: blockbuster I mean, it had to have been around at that time well 1981 81 Ew. Yeah. still the guy that works at the gas station yeah something
0: they didn't do that they allowed <laughs> the defense did not argue against any of these people
1: that's upid Stay. it's pig Latin sorry didn't mean it
0: Wow, you're smart.
1: Mart say. Shut up. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The state's case lasted five days with only the two fingerprints tying Johnny to the crime scene. The defense's only witnesses to establish an alibi were Johnny and his family, as no one else had seen him, except the cop that saw him at midnight. Are family eyewitness accounts admissible in court? I believe so. Is you could
1: lie for your a kid. A matter,
0: yeah, but it's a matter of whether the jury believes you or not.
1: Something about that, I don't know. I'm on the fence with that because it's like you'll do anything to protect your child. You know what I mean? So it's like anybody that would be like one of my main objections, but like you know, objection. Uh, this is her kid. How do we know she's telling the truth? I remember this one time I broke the cookie jar. Mom took the rap. To this day, I know I did it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, I don't know. It seems weird. I guess if the jury believes it, then fuck it. Who am I to say?
0: There were no experts called for analysis of any crime scene evidence, like hair comparisons. No testing was done on the vaginal swabs as they went missing. It also wasn't brought up by the defense that other prints and hairs were found at the scene and that there was actually an alternate unknown suspect prior to police arresting Johnny. He basically had no defense.
1: You know, the vaginal swab went missing... The semen sample went missing. Some people have weird fucking hobbies. I understand collecting stamps and fucking baseball cards, but good gravy. Collecting semen samples and vaginal swabs.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Dexter.
1: Yeah. I bet he, I bet I bet the sheriff or somebody has it in a fucking shadow box in his den, like, oh yeah, look what I got. <laughs> smell it. You can still smell it. Ah. Billy. Erica. Uh, you have to go there. <coughs> I did. Ew. Yeah. I a id day. Other may. Ucker fay Fuck you. Ah hey, ah hey, ah hey, because I'm laughing.
0: <laughs> oh my God. And you snorted.
1: That's really funny.
0: Good Lord. The jury deliberated five hours. As the verdict of guilty was read, Johnny shouted, I'm innocent. I didn't kill her. Judge Jerry Shackelford, juror number 12's uncle, was then called to the stand as planned. Johnny was labeled as having a propensity for violence and being a danger to society. After one hour of deliberation in the punishment phase, the jury ordered the death penalty to a mentally retarded minor by means of lethal injection. The prosecution team was allegedly seen playing with plastic syringes in the courtroom. Pretty shitty.
1: That's pretty fucking... Yeah.
0: Yeah. During an automatic appeal, Johnny was entitled to a new lawyer and Judge Dolan once again appointed someone who had no capital murder case experience, Bruce Sadler. So that's three for three.
1: Kind of makes me wonder, like, if they do that for electrocution, like, if the whole time during the case they're just putting their tongues on the 9-volt batteries and looking they, at you. They have
0: those little hand buzzers, you know, oh! them with hand and it shocks
1: you. <laughs> oh, man. You go to shake her colleague's head like, oh, oh, man, oh, God, you buzzed me, man. You buzzed me. And, like, make eye contact with the defendant.
0: (laughs) Zap, zap.
1: That's fucking dark. Playing with plastic syringe. You motherfuckers. God, really? Like, we sent you to a firing squad. Double guns. (laughs) 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 That's fucking awful. Double guns. (laughs) Well, this attorney, Bruce
0: rarely responded to Johnny's letters and did minimal work, much like the other ones. After three years, he removed himself as Johnny's appellate lawyer and took a lucrative position as an appellate lawyer in the DA's fucking office. He left the defense to go to the prosecution in the DA's office. Johnny was passed from lawyer to lawyer after that with no attempts made on the lawyer's parts to try to find new evidence. On February 11th of 1992 Johnny Frank Garrett was transported from Texas Death Row in Huntsville to the Walls unit a few miles away. After his IV was inserted he was allowed to make a final statement.
1: Before you say the statement do you think maybe and this maybe, I mean just I
0: think maybe a lot yeah
1: I think, like, I wonder if these these prosecutors for these appeals and everything are just jaded. What if it didn't have anything to do with him? What if it was like, oh, you have an appeals case for what? Death row? Okay. You know, and there's like uh, you know, and like they stand up in court corner like, I motioned the thing and the fucking, please, how about that? Can I just say please? No, okay, we're done here. Sorry, Brohim, you're dying.
0: But what are the chances that all three had no murder trial experience? One left the DA's office to go to defense. One left defense to go to the DA's office. I'm just saying. And there's fucking no evidence to convict this kid.
1: I'm just putting it out there. Somebody beat Blaine down and got something out of his stomach. I'm just saying. Blaine? Blair.
0: Yeah, where are you? I'm the drunk one?
1: I never said it. Blaine? never said it. You're
0: talking about David Blaine here? What the fuck? Oh my god. Shut up, Billy. Fine. Hmm. May I continue? Erica, go. (laughs) So, Johnny's last statement read,
1: You guys are fucking assholes. I didn't fucking do it. You guys really suck. By the way, I learned how to fucking read in here. Never got that shit in school. Motherfuckers. Just do it. Just fucking do it.
0: That's actually not what he said, but it sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. Went out like a thug.
0: It said, quote, I would like to thank my friends and family and would like to thank my guru and everyone else who helped me get through all of this. For the rest of the world, well, you can kiss my ever-loving ass because I'm innocent. And for those responsible for my murder here tonight, you know who you are. Well, I got some words for you too, but I put those in a letter. Something for you to look forward to tomorrow. His letters basically cursed all those involved in the conviction and continued to proclaim his innocence. There is belief by some that this curse actually did strike down many of those in the corrupt justice system in Amarillo. We'll get to that in a minute.
1: It's fucking nuts.
0: As expected, on February 11th, Johnny Frank Garrett was executed by lethal injection. Now, in 2004, a new detective submitted DNA taken from some of the Bryson and Ben's crime scenes evidence to be tested by the FBI. Seamen from Mrs. Bryson matched a man already incarcerated in New Mexico. He had been taken in as a suspect in the Bryson murder at one point. His hair matched those found at both murder scenes. He fit the description of the trespasser hiding behind the tree the night the sister was murdered, and he had even been caught red-handed peeping in windows around the times of the murders. He had been convicted of rape and murder in Cuba before coming to the U.S. The man was Laurencio Perez Rueda, one of the two Cuban men that had been taking in for peeping that we mentioned earlier. He had been right under officials' noses and on their radar from the beginning. During questioning, Laurencio blamed the murders on his friend, Fernando, but when confronted with the DNA evidence, he confessed orally and written to rape and murder of Narni Box Bryson, which of course police originally assumed was connected directly to Sister Ben's. The DA cut a deal with him, as opposed to him facing the death penalty as Johnny had. He got 45 years with the chance for parole and no further charges. That meant he wouldn't be tried for Sister Benz's murder. Even though he had evidence connecting between the two murders that came back to him.
1: Fuckload more evidence than a goddamn fingerprint on a doorknob.
0: Johnny's mother requested DNA testing of evidence that is still being stored while offering complete immunity to the Amarillo Justice Department for any wrongful death of her son Johnny. The justice system refused, instead threatening Johnny's mother with a lawsuit. And since there is no law forcing the evidence to be tested, without cooperation, it will probably never be tested. Because, of course, they don't want to face up to the fact that they potentially made a mistake. Now, the curse. So many fucking people died related to this case. Weird. Juror Novella Sumner fell down a flight of stairs and died a few days later of complications. Juror Nathan Shackelford's daughter died from an accidental gunshot wound to the head. His sister was run over and killed by a drunk driver. Garrett's trial lawyer, Bill Coleus, died of pancreatic cancer. Garrett's first appellate lawyer, Bruce Sadler, and post-conviction trial judge Sam Kaiser contracted the same rare form of leukemia. Kaiser died after initially being quote-unquote cured. His healthy bone marrow collected in case of reoccurrence, inexplicably disappeared from the hospital, just like the semen sample. Poof, gone. Jimmy Don Boyston, one of the lead detectives, contracted leukemia and died. Lot of fucking cancer going around. Officer Walt Yerger also died of leukemia. NBC reporter Kathy Jones, who had followed Johnny's mother into a bathroom in the courthouse to get her precious story, died in an airplane crash in Oklahoma. Medical examiner Ralph Erdman was convicted of numerous felonies for falsifying autopsy reports, and his medical license was revoked and he was sent to prison. His wife died of pancreatic cancer. Eugene, heavy-duty Patterson, was found dead in his vehicle. A cause of death was never determined. Watley, a jailhouse snitch who testified against Garrett for a reduced sentence, committed suicide. Probably out of guilt. Yeah. Carol Moore, Garrett's school teacher who testified against him at trial, also committed suicide. District Attorney Danny Hill also committed suicide. His daughter hung herself a few years later. And one of Garrett's many appellate attorneys, Jeff Blackburn, lost his wife when she committed suicide. And his son was accidentally locked inside a hot car in Houston and is permanently brain damaged. That's a lot of fucking tragedy related to this case. Yeah. So, did his curse have some truth to it?
1: If he says you're cursed, should you maybe be careful? Or if you're Mm. cursed... If you're cursed, I bet that's it anyway. Don't be careful. Fuck it.
0: Yeah, you're cursed. Nothing you do is going to change that.
1: Get started on that bucket list.
0: (laughs) It's very... I would say obvious, but... To me, it's very obvious that... He didn't commit this murder. That Laurencio is probably the culprit. He was already convicted of rape and murder in Cuba. He is incarcerated in New Mexico when they met back up with him. He's probably an asshole that killed these two women.
1: Real piece of shit.
0: Yeah. Totes for real.
1: Damn, with this poor guy, he just seems like it was wrong place, wrong time.
0: All because a fucking psychic... Said, hey, this is your guy. And there were two fingerprints. Even though the convent staff said that he was moving furniture in and out of the convent. But the police never even fucking questioned him. Why? There was, like, no investigation into his defense whatsoever. Completely wrong.
1: Yeah. It seems like he kind of lost before it even fucking started.
0: Yeah. And... This case is probably one that maybe you've heard of about Texas executing mentally retarded people. You know, he wasn't a minor at the time he was executed, of course, but at the time he was sentenced to death, he was a minor. He was fucking 17. 17 with an IQ under 70 and sentenced to death. Even if they thought he was guilty. Death? A 17-year-old? Really? Uh I don't know I'm I waver on the death penalty I think some people there's no chance of rehabilitation you know you've got the the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Ted Bundy's and the Charles Manson's and these people are never gonna change but you have obvious fucking evidence you have their confessions they deserve the death penalty cases that aren't so clear I don't think, as a juror, I could ever sit in that jury room deliberating and say, yeah, let's put him to death, even though there's a chance they might be innocent.
1: Yeah. Even if it's one of those, like, well, we can't play God and type of thing, you know. What I think about is, what happens if you don't? If if, if you got a person who's guilty and is sentenced to death, or not sentenced to death, you never sentenced him to death, and he's in prison, and he's in prison with a guy who stole a couple cars and got his college degree and is working toward getting out and, and, and is actually not serving time, but is actually, like, rehabilitating himself to be in, you know, the civilian world again. Well, he gets killed by him, you know, and um, just because he pissed him off one time and mm-hmm. he shanked him and fucking killed him. And it's like, okay, would he have done that if the state put him down? you know that's mm-hmm. that's how I look at it and I you know um, it sounds weird and I, whenever I reference movies I always think of, of film roast but I think of The Watchmen which in my opinion one of the most underrated fucking movies in the world I love The Watchmen they're going to make it into a TV series soon Rorschach got this guy it was a flashback about when he first started fighting crime and he got a guy who uh, killed a girl and fed the girl to his dogs and he found like her bones and sh- patent leather shoes and shit in like the stove in a wood burning stove you know and he, and he caught him he was like I did it I'm guilty I need help just take me in I need help uh, Stuff. and he says, I'll never forget it he said men go to prison animals get put down and then he fucking hacked him up with a meat cleaver but when he said it I'm like damn you, yeah you're fucking you're on to something Men go to prison, animals get put down.
0: Yeah. For the ones that are really depraved that break into convents and rape and strangle and stab a sister. I would consider that an animal.
1: Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Everybody has their own opinion. It's okay to disagree with me. It's cool.
0: I firmly believe that he was not guilty of this crime. And it's amazing to me... After all this time I've been doing research on cases and stuff, how many cases I come across from Texas of wrongful conviction or mishandling of cases by the DA or the police departments, there's some really corrupt shit in Texas. Sorry, Texas listeners, but there's a lot of it. I also, actually, after typing up this outline and everything, I was watching, it's on Hulu. It's another story of wrongful conviction. I would suggest everyone watch. It's called Southwest of Salem, the story of the San Antonio Four. It's four women from San Antonio who were arrested and convicted of sexual assault on two little girls just because they were lesbian. And it was later proved that they were completely innocent after spending, I think it was 12 years in prison, something like that.
1: Were they still lesbians?
0: Still lesbians.
1: Okay, because that would have been worse if they weren't. You know, like, oh, it turns out they didn't do this, and it turns out they weren't even fucking lesbians. You were 100% <laughs> wrong on fucking everything.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting case. Um, so, if you're into hearing about wrongful convictions, they just they infuriate me every time I hear about them, read about them. Carrie Max Cook, I have his book, and it's just heartbreaking what he had to go through. He was so... Close to being fucking executed before he got released. It's ridiculous. Um, So that's what kind of is what turned me off from the death penalty is thinking of people that are truly innocent being executed. Having to lay there and know that you're innocent and they're still going to kill you anyway. I, I just, I can't even imagine. Awful. Yeah. Awful, awful.
1: But at the same time, like, I think of somebody who's like, say you're a Christian. You know, I'm not. But say you're a Christian, you're a Christian. You, you would, th- <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you would think like I, if I were, I would think like, okay, well, you know what? I'm literally right now strapped to the bed. This is happening. I know I didn't do it. Everybody else can say what they want to. I know I didn't do it. I'm going with a clear conscience. There's nothing I could do now. I'm gonna go to. This, I'm. I'm basically gonna have a dream, and then that's gonna be it. But I know. I didn't do anything wrong. Which is why on some of them, like especially with his last words, where he was just like, you know, thank you everybody. Um, The rest of you, fuck you. Kiss my ass. (laughs) I did nothing wrong. Enjoy your fucking show. Yeah.
0: I would know that I did nothing wrong. My despair, I think, in that moment would be knowing that everyone thinks I did and the repercussions that would have on my family. Yeah. That would just... Uh, I would hate to have to go that way. Anyway, we need to round this thing up and bring it to an end.
1: I got to bring Nugget in here so he can come and say something.
0: <laughs> All right. So, of course, want to thank Phaser765 for the artwork for this episode. And, of course, we'll be adding a new song of Phaser765 to the end of the episode. I've had a couple people this past week. Um reach out to us and tell us that they actually really enjoy his music you can find him on SoundCloud and YouTube it's Phaser P-H-A-Z-E-R 765 he makes music he makes YouTube videos he's built his own computer and he's 13 years old just absolutely amazing can't I'll say that him in a second yeah but right now we're gonna thank our 7 year old Mr. Nugget yeah because he wants to say something
1: go, go up to the mic
0: what do you gotta say I know
1: you guys miss me,
2: but, but I'm back.
0: Ah, All right. we've been missing you. He's back. Yeah. Guess who's back? Don't. Back again. Guess <laughs> who's- me. The strongest boy in the world. Who pulled out his own tooth a couple weeks ago. Yeah. For the couple, first time.
2: Yeah, a
3: couple weeks ago.
0: Stay my, by the microphone if you're going to talk.
3: Yeah, I
1: pulled out my teeth by myself a couple... um, Um, weeks ago in September 2017 Wow, that's
0: pretty
2: cool Yeah, I know, I know
1: Oh,
0: and here comes the Phaser 765 Yeah, here comes comes Phaser 765 He's here, my brother
1: Okay, come on buddy
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir We've had a lot of people telling us they're enjoying your music Are you making any new songs? (laughs) I plan to You plan to I saw on your Facebook post that you're wanting to make a compilation. Yes. All right.
1: He's actually, if I'm not mistaken, he wants to get um, all the listeners, go on, to check him out on SoundCloud, check out his music. What he wants to do is save up his money and actually have a record pressed.
0: Oh.
1: And we talked about it. I was like, well, let's see what everybody likes to hear, and then that can be your track list. Yeah. I and where's that from? London? I think so, yeah. Yeah. other, yeah. We're gonna press it from London, and like his time is how how long? Uh, like it's
0: twenty. Starting.
1: Thank you, uh, thank you, Nucket. Um, like twenty minutes full record. Yeah. But seeing as he has songs that are only like two minutes at a time, you could pack some Yeah. Uh, on there. So go on to Facebook and Twitter and everything, and, and let him know.
0: Mhm. Did you share people. that to the Martinis and Macab page? Try and find that on Martini's and the Macabre or our fan base page, Friends of Martini's and the Macabre. Look for um, a post regarding Phaser 765 music. Listen to some of it. See what you like and let him know. Um, so he can get a record press for his new record player. He's all fancy. Fancy smancy. He's got nine inch nails on vinyl. I'm you fucking even- jealous. Yeah. <laughs> your favorite album
1: has been remastered. My favorite album I ever. Have I have it. It's in there. It's crazy, <sighs> shush, right? You shush!
0: Shush! Shush! Uh, okay. Shush.
1: Okay. Any yeah. given time he can remix it while it's playing. He like. Wooka, wooka, wooka. Fuck you That's guys.
0: True. <laughs> All right. So there's our big thanks to Phaser. You've been an amazing contributor to the show with your artwork and your music, and we love you.
1: I love you
0: too. Aww end to our horrible episode
3: well bye guys see you someday
0: all right and nugget says he'll see you on sunday
1: he'll see you someday
0: oh someday all right of course as always find us on facebook and instagram at martinis and the and on twitter at martinis underscore macabre um i would also ask that you rate and review us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from that you are able to rate and review. Our numbers have been kind of slipping the past month or so. So please get the word out there. Share our post with your friends and family. You know, ask people to check us out. Mention us on one of the Facebook communities that's about podcasts. Do something just to kind of get the word out for us. We would uh, super appreciate it. I can't think of anything else right now. I did want to mention very quickly... I was recently asked to read a small part for a podcast called The Forgotten News Podcast by Jim Goodluck. He covers somewhat forgotten news stories and he's covering one that will be upcoming about the first lynching in Ohio and asked me to play the part of a traumatized woman who had been attacked and I hope I did good. It should be coming out shortly. I'll bet you did great. And I want to thank Jim very much for giving me the opportunity and trusting me to handle a small but very important role. Um, I haven't had accents like a fifth grade play. So, <laughs> hopefully it turns out good. But please, if you listen to us, go listen to Forgotten News Podcast. Um, he's only started in the last couple of months. So, give it a listen. Follow it. He's a really nice guy. And I hope... I did his podcast some justice. Can you think of anything else?
1: Um, yeah. Check out this podcast called "Let's Not Meet." I didn't tell him I was going to mention him. I will, <laughs> but um, it's it's a podcast that that retells stories from Reddit um, under under uh, the "Let's Not Meet" forum, and it's I don't know how to put it. Like it's people telling true stories about like. A home invasion and stuff like that, and they're talking about it. They're talking about like people who try to kidnap, people who try to kill them.
0: So it's like I survived. sort yeah, sure,
1: yeah. And it's called Let's Not Meet, and it's um, available, you know, wherever you can find your podcast. So uh, yeah, check out, give it a listen. I binged. I uh, in two days, I cleaned out the entire the the entire series. Yeah, now I'm waiting on more episodes. So
0: (laughs) okay. And when we are recording this, it's been what 3 days since the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah. We said it, you know, on Facebook and Twitter, but our hearts are really going out to you guys right <clears throat> now. I can't imagine what you're going through. Um but feel free if anyone needs to talk, vent, get something off your chest, give other support. Use our Facebook page or our Twitter or whatever to share what you need to share. We're always open to listen to anybody, and our hearts are really going out to you guys. This has to be an incredibly hard time. Yeah.
1: And we're not even really interested in engaging in any debates or anything. Mm-hmm. Just If you have something to say, just let it out.
0: Yep. It's a very intriguing case, since we don't quite know yet why exactly this happened. Um, so, hopefully we'll be able to follow the story, and maybe some people can get some answers as time goes on. But we're thinking about you guys. Stay strong, Las Vegas. And I think that's about it for this week. All right. If that's everything, I think we will close this one out. You guys be safe. And we'll see you in two weeks. Take care. Bye. this.